The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Colossians 4, chapter 2. Chapter 4, verse 2, sorry. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you very much. Bruchim habaim Yeshua hamashiach hu hamelachim hu adon ha'adonim. Now, I think the only person in this congregation that understood what I just said was probably my wife. But um, that, was, that was Hebrew. We were, we were stationed in Israel with the uh, Southern Baptists for three years. And what I did was I greeted you. Bruchim Habaim is welcome. Ke'ilah Yakar, dear church. And I said Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name. Mashiach is Messiah. Yeshua, the Messiah. Who means he, and Melech means king. He is the king of kings, Melech HaMelechim, and he is the Lord of lords, Adon HaAdonim. So I wanted to greet you as we would greet the congregants in Israel before we started to preach God's word. And myself and Alina and our three kids were stationed in an apartment complex about 20 miles to the east of Tel Aviv and about 40 miles to the west, northwest of Jerusalem uh, for three years, so we we uh, we got to rub shoulders with a lot of Jews, a lot of Arabs, and uh, live in a very contentious part of the world um, for those those three years. And God did some mighty mighty things. Um, if some of you are like facts and numbers and things like that, 
the born-again believing community in Israel. Uh, one of our old Southern Baptist missionaries who's been there for 30-plus years said in the early 1990s, they could only find about 3,000 professing believers in the land of Israel at that time. Now, today, praise God, in 2019, there's over 30,000 born-again believers in Israel. So, yeah, let's give God a hand. That's awesome. Um, and before we d dive into the text today, I just wanted to commend you guys on your pastor, Jonathan Davis, and his wife, Tara, and their precious family. Um, I consider Jonathan one of my best friends in the ministry who, when I'm working through things in my life and when suffering comes in or, or when joys come into my life, I love to give him a call, a text, or a Skype and share those things with Jonathan. So I, I just want to tell you guys, you have a, a pastor who loves you very much and their family is uh, very much supportive of you. And uh, thank you guys for opening up your home to us. Being said, let me pray just one more time before we start unpacking the text here, and then I'll, um, I'll start with, uh, with our text. Father, we thank you for this day. Oh God, we pray, Lord, as we prayed earlier this morning, that your spirit would fall on your people here at Delta. And God, that, that one thing would be, remain clear through this message is that you have a heart for the nations, Lord. From Genesis 12, with the call of Abraham and the seed of Abraham, blessing all nations, to what Jonathan read in Revelation 7, to the throne of God, where every nation, tribe, and tongue will praise you, Lord, and glorify you. We pray that that would be the message today, and that that would be the hope we take from here as we seek to advance the gospel and to evangelize our neighbors here in Springfield, here in Illinois, and across the world. We pray all these things in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I've entitled this message, Devotion Endures. We must be committed to prayer, evangelism, and community. And I can look across this room today and see that we've got some younger folks, some middle-aged, and I see a little gray hair and a little no hair out there. So we've got a, a good selection of, of people here in the community of, of God today. And I, I wanted to know, have, have any of you guys ever seen or watched the show The Price is Right? Do y'all remember that? Like, like Bob Barker, he had like a microphone. It didn't look like this, but it was like a little skinny silver mi microphone. He'd walk around. And the thing that, that The Price is Right is known for is, if you remember the, uh, the audience of The Price is Right, sometimes they'd wear all these different costumes and things, but Bob Barker would call them down to the front to bid on showcases. And one of the things about Bob Barker was he had this awesome cadence, this voice. I, I think he could have been a preacher if he wasn't a game show director. But he said this. He goes, Pastor Tom, Jonathan Davis, Alina Perry, come on down. Y'all remember that? And, the, and these people would just start running to the front of the stage. And not only the people who were lucky enough to have their names called, but everybody in the audience was so zealous. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're all celebrating these people who got chosen. Even though they didn't get chosen, they're just all excited. So um, I, I didn't know if you guys remember that, but when he would say, come on down, they would come to the front and they would sit uh, in front of their little, um, their little stations and they would bid on certain items. And usually what would happen was these massive doors would open. So the first showcase, you'd have this massive door open, and you'd have one of the models, you know, doing like this. And, and usually it'd be like um, this beautiful entertainment system. You know, it, it, 
if I watched it back in the early 90s when I'd stay home from school and my mom would let me watch TV, right? And so it was those kind of those big block, block TVs back then. But as, as time progresses, you get flat screens. You get these nice entertainment systems. And then the next door would open, and usually it would be like a new kitchen appliance. You'd have refrigerator, microwave, oven, stainless steel, state-of-the-art. And then if you were really, really lucky, like super lucky, this big door would open, and it would move, and Bob Barker would say, a new car! Do y'all remember that? He would say, a new car, and they would go crazy. And it wasn't like an awesome BMW or Porsche or Mercedes or something. It was like a Mazda or something, you know, like back there. But they were, they were loving it. It was brand new. It was, it was just a big showcase item. So there's two things that The Price is Right was known, is known for, still going on today. Uh, started in 1972, Drew Carey is still doing it today, but it's known for two things, a zealous community of contestants and massive doors opening to display worldly items. That's what the show was built on. And the question I have for Delta Church this morning and the church in the West in a a more general questioning is this. I wonder if we here at Delta and the church in the West are united as a community who have that much love for each other, that much zeal, not for doors to be opened for new TVs and new cars, but for doors to be opened for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we're praying for doors to be opened in our hometown of Springfield, in our state in Illinois, and at large in the international community abroad. And so that's why I've entitled this message today, Devotion and Doors. We must be committed to prayer, evangelism, and community. Now look at the text with me at verse 2. So 4 verse 1 really belongs to chapter 3, so we don't read verse 1 here in chapter 4. But let's, let's look at, at verse 2. The ESV says, continue steadfastly. Other translations Uh, render that Koine Greek term, devote. So we have two themes that I see emerge from verses 2 through 6. You'll see that as as a paragraph in your text. The number one theme I see here is global proclamation of the gospel. Number two, the second theme I see is born again individual Christians in the church living on mission, sharing their faith. So notice with me that evangelism always starts with prayer, a devotion or a continuing steadfastly in prayer. Evangelism and the proclamation of the gospel has to be undergirded with prayer. We must be a praying church if we were to be an evangelizing church. Now look at the formula Paul gives us here. He gives us a formula. Continue steadfastly in prayer, and then what what does he say after that? He tells us what to do. He says, be watchful. Now, the apostle Peter uses this same language in 1 Peter 5.8. Peter says it like this, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, we here in America, and I can say this after living abroad for three years, we have to be watchful for our consumerism. The material things, that the shiny things that lie behind the doors here in the United States that captivate us. 
We have to be watchful about our material possessions, our monies, the things that God has blessed us with. That's why Jonathan and Pastor Tom and the elders here are bringing forth this great commission offering to challenge the church here to give and not to be caught up with things in the world, but to give your money to the church and the proclamation of evangelism and the gospel. Be watchful. Don't let those shiny objects in the world take the place of Christ's gospel in his mission. Number two, there is a heresy going around the church today. When you can write two New York best-selling uh, Times books, and one of the titles is Every Day is a Friday, and the other title is Your Best Life Now, we've got a problem here in America. It's called the prosperity gospel. Name it, proclaim it, believe, receive. You, if you do this formula, you'll have health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This book says that we will experience suffering and glory, both and. So be watchful here in America with all our wealth with this heresy sweeping the nation of the prosperity gospel, not to get caught up in the, these things. We shouldn't ooh and ah at the material things of this world like the contestants of the price is right. Jesus says these things are passing away and moth and rust will destroy them. But keep your mind on heaven and eternity. Put your heart there. Jesus, he doesn't want to give us a new car, a new TV. He wants to give us a new heart that beats for him, that loves his mission, and that loves his word. And that, that, that challenges our neighbors to come and to live for him. Now look at the second part. It says, not only be watchful, but be thankful. Now I kind of want to flip the coin here, because uh, I love my country. Um, I served as a chaplain in the U.S. Army Reserve I love everything about the United States, and we have so much to be thankful for. God has blessed this country. I, I got to visit the Lincoln uh, house yesterday with the Davis family and, and go to the, uh, the tomb where he was buried, and uh, all this just kind of American pride just swelled up in me. Uh, even as, as a missionary to the nations, I, uh, God is, is king over all, but I love my country, and, and I love the freedom we have to stand up on Sundays and proclaim the good news not just here in Springfield, but all over the country. And I thank God for that. And I think we should have a, a thankful heart in that. Uh, Psalm 107.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks that you guys can meet in such a beautiful building like Delta. In the Middle East, we, were, we would meet under trees. We would meet under fig trees. We would meet outside. We, if we had a building, we were so lucky. If we had 50 people, it was a mega church in Israel. Um, so be thankful for what you have here at Delta and what we have here in the United States. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. I don't know if, if many of you grew up in like a Southern Baptist church or a, a Baptist church, but we sang this song in Sunday school uh, that kind of went like this. Count your many blessings, count them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So remember to be thankful and count your, your blessings. Now this is where I want to show you where global evangelism comes into the picture here in Colossians 4. 
Remember, we said prayer undergirds everything. We're devoted or we're continuing steadfastly in prayer. It's the air we breathe as Christians. And what does Paul tell us to pray for? He gives us a metaphor here. He says in verse 3, and pray for a door. A door. Now let's, let's stop there and look at what this means, this door imagery. Because Paul uses the same imagery, the same metaphor, the same language in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. He says, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many there who oppose me. He uses the same language in 2 Corinthians 2.12. He says, now when I went to Troas... Troas was an unengaged, unreached people group at the time. Paul is going there. When I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, I found that the Lord had opened a door for me. So so Paul is in prison here in Rome, writing to the church of Colossae. And what Paul is asking here, he isn't asking for the Caesar of Rome to open up a door for him with a new entertainment system that he can put in his jail cell there in Rome. No, he's asking for a door for the gospel to be proclaimed. That's what he's asking us for. Now look at at the rest of verse 3. He tells us what it is. He tells us that it's to evangelize or to proclaim the message or proclaim the mystery of Christ. So verse 4, we, pr- we pray first and then we proclaim. So what is the mystery of Christ? What is the message of Christ? 1 Corinthians boils it down as simply as I can say to you guys. It's that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was dead, buried, and raised to life again according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. Philippians 2 said, although he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being found in the likeness of man, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has given him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow on heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess the glory of Jesus Christ, that he is king of kings to the glory of God our Father. Amen? That's the message we need to be telling our neighbors. That's the message we need to be proclaiming. Those are the doors we need to be asking God to open. So pray for big, big doors to open. This is, what, this is where I want to get a little theological. I'm not, I'm not nearly as good a preacher as John or as, as deep and as theologically deep as John, but I want to, I want to tell you this. Paul, and I, there's scholars that agree with me here, Paul, I believe, was not asking for a door to be opened just so he could evangelize the people coming to him, visiting him in Rome, and the prison guards that were attached to him by chains. They did three shifts. The Roman Praetorian Guard would, would chain themselves to Paul, three, three, you know, three of them during different parts of the day. But I believe Paul was asking for a door much bigger than what he had in Rome. And this is, this is how I want to prove this from the Word. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 15, 20. Paul says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And then in Romans 15, 23, 24... Paul says, but now that there is no more place for me to work 
in these regions, I have been longing to visit you in Rome, and I plan to visit you when I go to Spain. Paul didn't want to park in Rome for a long time. Paul wrote the book of Romans as a missionary support raising letter so that he could move through Rome, encourage the saints there, and then move to an unreached, Un, unengaged people group in Spain, the Iberian Peninsula, the end of the world in the Jewish mind at that time. Nothing was beyond Spain except the Atlantic Ocean, and they thought that was the end of the world. And Paul here, he wants to reach every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And I, I believe, like Pastor John Piper, uh, some other people at Southern Seminary, that, that Paul not only wanted a door to open to witness to his Uh, his companions there in Caesar's household, but that he would move on to Spain. And church history says that he was released from the prison there in Rome and that he did move on to Spain, but we're not sure about that. That's not in the biblical canon. But that was Paul's heart. So the application for us at Delta is this. Are we continuing steadfastly in prayer? Are we devoted to prayer for massive doors to be opened all over the world? Do you have a certain missionary you're praying for? I know y'all work with a missionary in Italy. Are you praying for massive doors in Italy to open so that the Catholic stranglehold in Italy, the secular European postmodern stranglehold in Italy is broken and the gospel of Jesus Christ can work its way through there? Are you praying for that? Are we praying for massive doors to be open in North Korea? We don't even know as Southern Baptist missionaries and strategists and researchers, we don't know if there's one Christian in North Korea right now. We can't get a missionary in there. We can't get anybody in there. It is closed off. Kim Jong-un has that place closed off like an iron curtain. Are we praying as saints in the West that God would open a door there so we could get into North Korea? Are we praying for the Iraqi Kurds that God would do a, a move in their heart because we just pulled out of there? The American troops are gone from Iraq now. We've got a missionary that John knows who's working in a very dangerous part of the world. Are we praying for open doors in northern Iraq? Are we praying for Syria? We can't get there. Are we praying for these things as a church? Please pray for my country that I served in. Pray for Israel, especially pray for Gaza. It's a terrible place. Pray that God would open a door there and the gospel could get into Gaza and the West Bank. Now watch how the text moves from global missionary evangelism, global doors being opened that I believe Paul was talking about, to individual evangelism. Individual Christians evangelizing for the cause of Christ. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 is a simple command, and he uses the pronoun you. He says, you be wise in your actions to unbelievers. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, and make the most of every opportunity. So guys, people are watching us. People are watching Delta. People are watching you at work, where you play, where you recreate. And they're watching to see how you live. Now there, there is a, a wisdom in living before unbelievers. It's walking holy before God. But it, it's also about making the most of the opportunities God gives us. Because Paul says it right here, make the most of every opportunity. He says it again in Ephesians. But C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, which I think encapsulates this this phrase so good. If we're making the most of every opportunity, then C.S. Lewis says, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. So if our conversations are not 
seasoned with salt, as the text says. If we're, if we're not praying for individual doors to open in our lives, then something's wrong with our walk. Jonathan gave me a great metaphor when we were talking about this text the other day. God always gives us individual doors to walk through. There are always opportunities to proclaim Christ, to encourage someone from the Scripture. And there's a door there, and usually a door will hang on a hinge, and a door has a doorknob. Look, sometimes just don't be afraid to jiggle that doorknob. Jiggle that doorknob or turn the doorknob and walk through it as the Holy Spirit guides you. And, and invite people to Delta because they're going to hear the word of God. Tell them about your King Jesus. Tell them about the gospel. Pray for these individual doors, these individual opportunities for God to move in your lives at work and in your lives at home. I want to I be very clear on evangelism because as an evangelist, as a missionary, this has to be said and this has to be done to be an effective evangelist for Christ. Evangelism is always accompanied by a verbal witness. You have to speak the life, death, and resurrection of Christ for it to be evangelism. We can't just walk the walk and say, man, I hope, I hope those people come to Christ just by seeing me. Do the things of Christ. We have to speak it. Uh, there's a really bad um, platitude that says, uh, preach the gospel and when you need to, use words. No. Like, we use words all the time. We need words to preach the gospel. God has given us his inerrant, infallible word from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 22-21. These are the words we speak into people's lives. Look at verse 6. It says, let your what... Your conversations. Paul is telling us we have to have conversations. This is conversational language he's using. We have to talk about Christ to others. And it says be full of what? Be full of grace. That means in year 2019, we don't have to carry around these big King James Bibles and beat people over the head with it and say be saved. No, we're very winsome. We talk to people about Christ in the way that Scripture tells us to. It says to be gracious when you talk about Christ to people. Seasoned with salt. What does salt mean? Salt makes food more savory, more tasty, and a lot of salt can create thirst. So I believe Paul thinks and knows that we need to be winsome, smart, savory in our gospel witnesses to create thirst for the gospel because everyone is different and unique. For example, I lived in a very diverse culture. I lived with... Orthodox Jews who would wear the black and the white and have the, uh, the locks coming down curled up and who would uh, wrap the phylacteries around their arms and on their heads and, and pray toward Jerusalem you know, three times a day. Also worked with Muslims and people who spoke Arabic who would pray five times a day. Also worked with very secular, very secular people on the south side of Tel Aviv who were transgender, homosexual, uh, prostitutes. Now, I would not share the gospel the same way I would with a transgendered person from South Tel Aviv as the same way I would share the gospel with an Orthodox Jew. For example, with the secular person, I always started with a worldview application. Every human being, no matter where you come from, has to answer four questions. Where did I come from? Who made all this stuff? What's wrong with the world? Everybody knows the world's broken. What's the solution? Everybody's looking for the solution. A lot of people look for it through politics, finances, education. And then where do we go from here? What's the end result? What happens at the end of time? 
So we use those questions to create a dialogue or a conversation, like Paul says here, to engage the homosexual, the transgender, and then we share the gospel. When they tell us what they think, we say, can I share what we think? And they usually let you say, share. Um, with, a, with a Jew or a Muslim, very religious, we start with their text, the Old Testament, the Torah, that's Nakh, and we just point them to Messiah from all the prophecies in the Old Testament to Christ. And so there's different ways to share, but we have to be sharing the gospel. So the, the, the application for us is this. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Do it with gentleness and respect. 1 Peter 3.15. Jude 3 says, Contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. We need to be individually sharing the gospel. Now finally, we talked about prayer. We talked about evangelism. Look at the community Paul weaves together here, verses 7 through 17. Look at the community here. Ten, ten people are mentioned by name. So we pray, we evangelize globally, locally, and we commune together. We love one another. Look at these people mentioned here. As our reader of the text has already, already read to us, I want to just draw a quick sketch through these people. Verse 7, Tychicus. He was an encourager. Look at verse Verse 8, I am sending him to you for the express purpose that he may encourage your hearts. There are people here at Delta who are encouragers. You, are, you have the spirit of Barnabas, and I encourage you, as you encourage others here, to continue to do that. Pastor Tom, Pastor John, Chris, uh, Connor, Evan, everybody behind the scenes, like they need to hear from the community of believers, like, hey, you're doing a good job. Like, keep it up. Fan into flame the gift that God's given. Encourage others like Tychicus does. Look at the next person he mentions, Onesimus. Paul devotes a whole letter about him called, called the letter to Philemon. Onesimus was a slave, but because the gospel was so powerful, it broke his bonds of slavery, and now he is no longer a slave to his master, but a brother. So listen, we were all slaves to sin once here, but the gospel of Jesus Christ came in and released us from that bondage released those chains from us and made us free men and gave us the, the power to tell others about him. So this is the time in the message. If anyone here in a crowd this size that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I beg you, I plead you as a minister of the gospel to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ like Onesimus did. Repent and believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Aristarchus is the next person mentioned. He was willing to go to jail with Paul for the gospel. Look at verse 10, Mark. Someone Paul wrote off earlier in his life because they didn't agree on ministry issues. Now they're friends again. What's the application here? We as believers, we as Christians can have disagreements. But man, we come together for the gospel. We come together for the gospel. Look at Justice, verse 11. Not much is known about him. Now look at verse 12 through 13. This is very applicable to us today. Epaphras. Epaphras was the pastor of Colossae. Here we have Epaphras, who many scholars believe was the pastor and overseer of not just the church of Colossae, but of Laodicea and of Areopolis. And look how Paul describes him. Look at verse 12. He is one of you. He is a servant of Christ. He sends his greetings. He wrestles in prayer so that you may be mature and assured. 
And then verse 13, I love this part. Working, he's working hard for you. Guys, I, I kind of I kinda like doing itinerant preaching now that I'm not a missionary anymore. So I, I like to be able to preach to preachers sometimes. So I, I'm going to preach to John Davis for a second and Pastor Tom. But listen, I am here to tell you that Pastor John Davis is one of you, verse 12. Pastor John Davis is a servant of Christ, verse 12. Pastor John Davis wrestles in prayer for you all. Is he wants to make you mature in the word. And Pastor John Davis works hard for y'all. Verse 13. October, I don't know if y'all know this, in Southern Baptist life is Pastoral Appreciation Month. So I hope you guys know what a minister of the gospel you have in John Davis. He is like Epaphras here in Colossians 4. Let's devote ourselves to community starting with our leadership, submitting to our elders, and knowing that they are working hard for us to make us mature in the gospel. Look at our dear friend Luke in verse 14. Luke, the only Gentile author of the, of the Bible, he wrote the gospel of Luke in the book of Acts. It's like, boom, I can drop the mic and walk away right there. Who is like Luke, right? The thing that, thing that Luke is cool about Luke, Luke was a doctor. He wasn't a paid clergyman. Um, he, he was just a doctor. So the application for us is doctors, lawyers, plumbers, carpenters, whatever your field, healthcare workers, you can make a difference for the cause of Christ, just like Luke. You can make a name for Jesus in your workplace. Now, as we wrap up today, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to preach through verses 14 and 15. This is... And I, I have to do it to be a, a minister of the gospel who is respected before the Lord. But there's a man here named Demas. Demas is mentioned here and a church named Laodicea is mentioned here. There's a dual warning for us here at Delta. A dual warning. I want you to hear this. Heed this. Heed this warning. Number one, Demas left the church of God. Listen to what 2 Timothy 4.10 says about Demas. He's a friend of Paul here, but later he leaves. And Paul writes to Timothy and he says, this is why Demas left. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. When those big shiny doors of the price is right open for Demas, he said, I want the stuff. I don't want the eternal glory of Christ Jesus and his suffering. He left the church. Here's the application for us, church. Listen to this. Whatever you're going through, marriage difficulties, financial difficulties, health issues, cancer, drug abuse, mental health, whatever it is, don't leave the church. Stay in this community. This community here loves you. They're a part of you. They're praying for you. They can help usher you through this time. So don't be like Demas, and, and don't be like Laodicea. The book of Colossians was written in about 62 A.D. So 30 years later, when Revelations was written, about 95 A.D., we get a picture of a church of Laodicea. And this is a prayer that I pray does not happen to Delta. I pray that 30 years from now, in 2050, this church is strong. 
and a vibrant gospel witness in this community. But this is what happened to Laodicea. Listen, listen to what Revelation 3 says. Hear this warning from the word of God. The angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired great wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, and naked. Don't be a Demas. Don't be a Laodicea. Verse 15 mentions Nympha, a woman who opened the door to her house for the gospel. Many of you have your homes that you're opening up to small groups. That is a blessing. And women, I am here to testify to you today that since the times of the New Testament until now, you have been an instrumental part and an instrumental work in the advancing of the kingdom of God. So keep working hard, women of Delta. Finally, the last person mentioned is Archippus. And Paul just gives him a, 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 an exhortation. Just finish the ministry Christ gave you. Don't give up. Don't give up. So what we have in these final verses is a community of saints, minus Demas, who are devoted to each other, who love each other, and who are praying for gospel doors to be opened so that they can advance the kingdom of God. They are devoted to prayer, devoted to seeing doors opened for the world, and devoting to see the gospel advanced in their community. And so in closing, I want to challenge us as Delta in the church here in the West at large, there are two doors in this life. There's the price is right door that leads to the love of this present world, the things in it that leads to eternal hell and judgment. It leads to eternal separation from God the Father and Jesus Christ. And there's a second door, and Jesus says that he is the door in the book of John. He is the door that leads to life, but you can only enter this door through Jesus Christ, the supreme King of kings and Lord of lords. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. My challenge is simply this, Delta. Pray for global missions. Pray for individual opportunities to share. Be a loving community of saints devoted to one another as you advance the gospel in Springfield, Illinois, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, Lord, that we get together together and hear your inerrant, infallible word. Lord, thank you that it is a challenging message, Lord, to hear as your church, but a truthful message, Lord, the truth that you love your name and fame and your glory so much that you give us broken pots of clay, sinners, a chance to declare the most glorious story in the universe. Lord, I pray that we get a sense of this. I pray that as churches cooperate together in the convention, Lord, that we can send more missionaries I pray that missionaries are called out from Delta. I pray that, Lord, whether you send them through the IMB or through 
other gospel witnessing organizations, Lord, that they would go. They would let this world go and go and tell the nations that there is a king who loves them and who died for them and who rose again for them, Lord. Lord, I thank you for these people. I thank you for Jonathan and the elders here. And I pray a special blessing upon this church as we close out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.